I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, Mark. Hi, Liz. What's going on with you? Uh, just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a great way to start yes. off. We got the cutest little email and I wanted to share it with you. And uh, the subject line was how to access podcast. Mm-hmm. And the sweet lady named Lori says, hi, I am old and not a podcast person. Mm-hmm. I have Alexa and Facebook. How might I access your podcast mm-hmm. through those platforms slash devices? Thanks for your help. Yeah. And that's so cute. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, hey, Lori, we are on Amazon Music. Mm-hmm. So before I told her to just go ask Alexa to play it. I went and asked mine, yeah. but she only starts at the most current episode. Ah. So you can't ask her. I was like, go to the beginning, and she would yeah. just start the beginning of the most current okay. episode. So then I was like, oh, I got to fix this um, for this lady. Uh-huh. So then I a- emailed her back and asked her. She had a phone, and she says she has an iPhone. Mm-hmm. So then I took a little picture of what the podcast app looks like, the little purple icon on mm-hmm. Apple, and showed her how to use it. You know, and this, I sent her all the information. And then she responds, oh, how clever you are. Thank you so much. I will do that today. Oh, Lori. So, Lori, this is episode 12, and if you have found Welcome, us, Lori. we're so happy to have you here. And I think that's so sweet. Totally. But before you came here today, I was working... Today, we're recording episode 12. Yes. And I started working on episode 13, and there's always a moment when I'm putting these together where I think, this is not going to be interesting. Uh, no yeah. one's going to well, listen to this. Right. And I always start by finding all the entries that I want to read. Mm-hmm. And I read more than what we ever did on Facebook and TikTok. Right. Because, you know, I, every day isn't always an exciting day, but sometimes one little line is. Yes. Like, I saw Tommy or I hung out with Henley. And I just kind of want to make sure those get heard, even mm-hmm. if that's the only thing I read. But you couldn't do that on TikTok. You couldn't have a one sentence no. TikTok. No, everybody would have hated it. People us. want length with these, actually. They I start know. asking for longer. I know. Yeah. Well, right, right? yes. And you will notice, dear listener, that our podcasts are getting a little bit uh, longer because I'm trying to cover a little bit more ground Mm -hmm. and get us kind of at least level with what's happening in the Facebook world and Instagram world, because I'm starting to lose my mind because I'm hearing (laughs) these things. (laughs) 
I'm hearing these things on the podcast. I'm hearing them on the Facebook, yeah. you know, and I'm starting. I'll bet you oh, are. I would just want everything to sync up so right. I don't think. And it will. It, it will. It will. But episode 12, we could have done an entire episode of on this day mm-hmm. because so much is going on in oh, the yeah? world. So this one, cool. I actually had to pick and choose what I wanted to share, what I thought was the nice. most important. So Yay. buckle up, y'all. I'm this excited. will be a little longer than usual episode of My Grandma's Diaries. Mm-hmm. Episode 11, we talked about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Cotton is being picked. And Elizabeth was finally able to go back to school. And in true Elizabeth fashion, she jumps in with both feet. She's in a play. She's meeting boys. She's having a good time. She does go back between living in Step Rock and in Providence, Arkansas. So in Providence lives her Aunt Ella. Yep. We've met Aunt Ella a million times. I don't have to tell y'all who she is anymore. But Reva is her daughter. And we also learned that Grandpa Hartzell is living there, too, because he's um, old. He's 78. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't lived alone, I guess, for a long time. I think what we learned about him was that he has, was going blind. Correct. So uh, he couldn't see. And he, they would read to him. So yes. that's what she's doing. She's hop, Sometimes she's going home to Step Rock in the tent. Sometimes she's staying in town with Reva. She's she's in a busy little situation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good for her to get her out of that tent. I agree. As much About as we possibly four, can. Four miles away, I think. Yeah, not is, long. Yeah, not yeah, too far. Yeah. But, yeah, and she's lucky because Woodrow Malloy yep. has a car, yeah. and he's uh, lugging her around. So basically, in episode 11, we wrapped up all of 1932. Mm-hmm. So we can put that year behind us. We talked about Hoover's bid for re-election. Mm-hmm. We talked about his super racist best friend, Henry Ford. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the eventual defeat by FDR, who's coming in and immediately starting mm-hmm. to help things for the farmers, particularly. In America. Mm -hmm. But at the end of 1932, all Elizabeth can think about is trying to get out of the tent, getting into a real home, and going back to school. January 1st, 1933. Didn't get up in time to go to Sunday school this morning. We all got ready and went to church. Uncle Barney, Aunt Bertie, Doyne, Francis, and I went out to Aunt Ella's. She's real bad sick. We came home with Aunt Delia and Prince, was glad to see Mother and the kids. We didn't have any supper, just ate candy Grandma sent us for Christmas. Wrote to Bill, wonder where I'll be a year from tonight, somewhere else? And I love that that just has a little question mark, somewhere Somewhere else, else, because she doesn't know. Don't know. She's not sure what's going to happen, so I can give y'all a little teaser of Mm -hmm. what will be happening a year from now. Will she be somewhere else? What's the, yeah, no, unfortunately not. But will life be better? Um, maybe, yeah, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Things might be turning around for her this time next year, but. That's just a little teaser to keep you interested. But meanwhile, in Germany, Ooh, yes. on January 1st of 1933, they are voting in the law for the prevention of hereditarily diseased offspring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here it comes. It was called the Sterilization Law. Mm-hmm. And it was a statute in Nazi Germany enacted in 1934. But they they did the law and mm-hmm. they were going to spend a year mm-hmm. trying to figure out who are we going to sterilize? Oh, oh this will be fun for us. Oh, my God, right. it's awful. But it allowed the compulsory sterilization of any citizen who, in the opinion of the genetic health court, was incapable of or shouldn't reproduce. Mm. This included, but was not limited yeah, who, to. What, who, what does that mean? Congenital mental deficiency schizophrenia, 
manic depressive, epilepsy, Huntington's disease, blindness and deafness, any severe hereditary deformity, or any person suffering from alcoholism. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I, okay, I, that's yeah. pretty blanket. I, yeah. I mean, to tell you, by the end of the wow. Nazi regime, over 200 genetic health courts were created, and under their rulings, over 400,000 people were sterilized against their will. Genetic health courts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have a, a tribunal yeah. to decide if you would be wow. allowed to procreate. You now, have flat feet, you might be killed. Yeah, or not you killed, know? but you would demise and tubal yeah, yeah, ligations yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But under the law, Adolf Hitler personally decriminalized abortion in case of a fetus having a racial defect. But abortion was completely illegal for anyone who is Aryan or German uh, born, like natively, like traditionally mm-hmm. German born. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, but I- if you were like a mixed race, oh, please go mm-hmm. have your abortion. Mm-hmm. It's so terrible. The law also enforced sterilization of the so called Rhineland bastards, the mixed race of children of German civilians and French African soldiers who helped occupy the Rhineland. <laughs> that is so bizarre. I know. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking these horrible, rotten Nazis. Y- How, yeah. <laughs> no one on the planet could be as horrible as they were, and they have wow. these horrible ideas. But this idea, they stole. Mm from the United States of America. Oh, really? We have the Virginia Sterilization Act of 1924. Oh. I know. And here's what it says. Whereas human experience has demonstrated that heredity plays an important part in the transmission of sanity, idiocy, imbecility, epilepsy, and crime... Now, therefore, blah, 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 lots of legal things. But hey, 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 they let the alcoholics off the hook. Right. I mean, it's Virginia. Uh, but the criminals, oh, guys, steal yeah. that candy bar. You better look out. It's this not- law was mm-hmm. challenged in the United States Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and the court found it to be constitutional. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, in 2001, Virginia says they have regret over these laws. And if you were a victim of them, you could get up to $25,000 in retributions. Uh-huh. Uh, because, yeah, the price of a mid-sized Toyota is fine for you know not being able <laughs> to ever have your, a child of right. your own, or your own autonomy over your own no body. No kidding. Yeah, so yikes. Yikes, Virginia. And yikes, Nazis. And and yikes, Nazis. All that's going on in the world, and it's just creating a world and a feel of hatred Mm -hmm. and separation Mm -hmm. that Hitler is just, I mean, it's just oozing out. So planned. Yeah. So intentional. And I don't understand how people in Germany are like not going, wait, what? Well, Mm. I don't understand it. Mm, a lot of people go with a lot of bad things sometimes. If it's good for their pocket, I guess. Correct. Right? Good it's for them. like, well, my bank account's fine. That's oh. right. That's how it happens. January 2nd, 1933. Started back to school today with Woodrow and Archie. Was glad to see all the kids, but wasn't in such a good mood for work. I'm going to stay at home this week. Daddy's down there at Aunt Ella's, and I'd be in the way. Read all my letters from Frank this afternoon. Saw him Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So, Some boys first of all, in. they're going back to school on January 2nd. 
I mean, you got you got New right. Year's Day off, and then come on, let's go go back to school. Okay, I mean that's that's interesting. But we know January Woodrow 7th. and Archie; those are her. That's her ride, yeah. Woodrow Malloy. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, in last week's episode, they were coming back from some party, and Woodrow got so drunk, Francis had to drive the car. Yes, so that's super funny. But I guess Elizabeth will forgive him because it's her ride. <laughs> right. Yeah. So she hasn't said anything like "I'm disgusted right. with Woodrow." Right. Right. And Dad's at Aunt Ella's. And I don't know why. Well, Aunt Ella's is a um, boarding house, right? No, no, she's sick. Oh, right. And that's why, you know, he's there. So he's, he's there sleeping wherever Elizabeth would have been. And yeah. so that's what she means by getting in the way. And I, I guess, or maybe grandpa. Yeah, I guess he's got to help with grandpa. Probably that sick. too. So there's a, and there's the a business. lot going on. I mean, it was a boarding house. So yeah. he might have had to yeah. help with that or yeah i mean for sure or like bringing in water from the well and all the other things that elizabeth talks about and she said that she saw frank saturday Uh night and which that was new year's eve Uh by the way and she never mentioned in her new year's eve thing about seeing frank and i don't know what passed between them Uh that made her want to go back and read all the letters but this was the frank that said i'll be there on thanksgiving and then never showed up oh this is frank stewart from the fourth of july episode yes and frank i, I mean she I talks about him about so frank. much yeah but he's just he's she talks about him all the time guy <laughs> i mean i guess he does because she talks about him constantly but anyway uh-huh. we'll see more about that yeah january 3rd 1933 went to school all day stopped at aunt ella's to see her she's better wish i'd hear from frank and herschel I'm crazy to see both of them and talk to them, especially Frank. I want to hear his line again. I've about forgotten it. I could see dear old Gussie. His line, huh? So, but this list of boys, oh, Frank right. and Herschel, and then Gussie. Gussie. She's digging up Gussie from the past. I mean, he <laughs> hasn't state. even. Yeah, that's Belle, Missouri. He hasn't even written her a letter like Bill has. So, <laughs> right. good Lord, Gussie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, see, I want to know what that line was. I know, What's right? His line, like Frank's you sure line, are a pretty thing. Exactly. Well, I've never seen anyone as pretty as you. I wonder Hi, what honey. he said. <laughs> yeah, making his move. But then again, okay, so there's Frank again. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand the pull that Frank has over her. Mm-hmm. January 4th, 1933. Went to school all day. We tried to help a man who was stuck with a big truckload of furniture. Came home and read The Women's World. After supper, I mixed up some peanut butter and raisins for our sandwiches for lunches tomorrow. Helped Dean with her geography lesson. I wish I could be where I was a year ago tonight. I know. I can't get past the peanut butter and raisins. Uh, That too. (laughs) That's why I said, oh, no, I'm kidding. Peanut butter and raisins on a sandwich. She makes raisin fudge. She makes raisin pies. Yeah, no. No, no. no. That's just a chewy mess. But I guess, I mean, it's you got to eat what you got to eat. Of course. But she's being very reflective lately. Mm -hmm. Oh, where will I be next year? Wish I was where I was. So I think it's starting to really Mm -hmm. wear on her. So they've almost been there a year. Right. And things are coming on a year. Yeah. But I did look back a year ago yeah. to see what she was doing. Yeah. And it was an episode where she and Lil were hanging out with Ray and Pickles at the drugstore. And Gussie wasn't speaking to her because I think she said no word passed between us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe at that point he'd already met that highway girl. Henrietta. But at least she, yes. But at least she was in a house and she was mm-hmm. in Bell and she had she was so much happier. I wouldn't say she's lacking for friends around here, but right. most of her friends here are cousins. Right. Kind of like forced friends, yeah. you know? So I also have an on this day. Yeah. On this day, January 4th, 1932. Okay. So there had been a ban 
against African Americans enlisting in the Navy since August 4th of 1919. Mm-hmm. World War One was over, so mm-hmm. they guess they didn't want them right. in there. They didn't need them <laughs> like they did before. And that's also super significant because guess who's still in the White House then? It's Woodrow Wilson. He's the one who showed the Birth of a Nation movie at the White House. He's the one who segregated his White House. So now mm-hmm. in his administration, with the war over, things are really moving backwards right. at the turn of the century for our African-American rights. But on January 4th of 1932... They're allowing them back in. But let's have a little context. I actually, all this information I'm about to tell you, I got from the United States Naval Institute's Mm -hmm. actual website. Okay. So this is what the U.S. Navy says about the U.S. Navy. Gotcha. And the history of black soldiers in the Navy begins with the War of 1812, as the U.S. Navy was not established until after the American Revolution. At the beginning of the war, the official policy forbade recruitment of black sailors. But a shortage of men forced the Navy to accept any man who was willing to serve. And according to modern estimates, 15 to 20 percent of the Navy's force during the War of 1812 was made up of black sailors. 15 to 20 percent. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. While a number of black men did defect to the British Navy, good for them. Really? Yeah. It is important Hmm. to note that many of these were enslaved men who had been promised freedom Hmm. in return for their service in the Navy. Okay. Well, bribe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, right, but did they end up getting it? Uh, no, probably. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, they, they don't yeah, give yeah. that information. Right. During the Civil War, federal mm. regulations limited African-American sailors to 5% of the enlisted force. But during the war, again, because I guess they needed people, participation grew to 20% mm. in the Navy. So that's nearly double mm-hmm. who were serving in the Army. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe they thought they could sail away. I mean, good for them. I hope some of them did. Yeah. But there were approximately 18,000 black men and 11 women who served in the Navy during the Civil War. Wow. One important point to note, however, is how their ranking and status was depend on whether they came on board as free or enslaved. Mm -hmm. So if you were free, you had a chance to get a little higher of a rank. Mm -hmm. But if you were an enslaved man, you were classified as a boy, Mm -hmm. and you were given lower pay and rank. Wow. So you'd never get... Mm -hmm. You could never climb above. You'd never be a captain. Right. So, while integration on ships continues through World War I, so did the lack of equality between black and white sailors. Some African-American sailors were promoted to petty officers, but none would ever be promoted past that rank Hmm. as their white counterparts Mm -hmm. would. And because of the segregation policies of the U.S. armed forces, their participation was regulated to support roles. Mm -hmm. So they mainly worked as mess attendants Mm -hmm. and firemen. Oh man! So they couldn't even throw be, them in the fire. Yeah, yeah. Good or go, grief! Go, you know, cook my cook my lunch. Right. So it, it's at mm. this point in the U.S. Mm-mm. Navy history that took a large step backwards. Mm-hmm. After the war, African American enlistments were banned altogether from 1919 to 1932. Really? And the, yeah. And the yes, it's awful. That, and the only black sailors were the ones who had joined before 1919 uh-huh. and were able to stay. Again, probably not getting in. a rank yeah, of right. petty officer. Which is awful. But in 1932, African Americans once again were allowed to board U.S. Navy ships, but only as stewards and mess attendants. Mm. Now, do you think this reversal was prompted by racial enlightenment? <laughs> I'm surely not. It was not. It was concerns that the number mm-hmm. of available Filipino domestic help in the Navy was dwindling. 
Uh-huh. So here's some more context for you. In the Spanish-American War, uh, when that was over, the United States took possession of the Philippines, Guam, and Puerto Rico, which I love. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. Navy began actively recruiting Filipinos mm-hmm. at stewards and mess boys. Mm-hmm. And then in 1901, President William McKinley allowed the U.S. to recruit up to 500 Filipinos for the Navy. But by World War One, there were like 6,000 Filipinos serving in the Navy. Filipinos, huh? Well, it's interesting because after I remember I took a tour, it, we went to Puerto Rico as a family and we took mm-hmm. a little walking tour, which I love to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, how do you think the United States got Puerto Rico? And my little daughter, who's so smart, was like, the Spanish-American War. He's like, <laughs> right. oh, okay. okay. And yes. he's like, and then, you know, why do you think, you know, uh, when did they become citizens? Mm-hmm. And like, when they needed men to fight in World War One, uh, <laughs> So they were just using them. I but gotcha. they're, they're still not states. Right. They can't vote. Right. So, but they can fight and die. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of really sad. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how states and territories work. But meanwhile, these these Filipino numbers are dwindling for mm-hmm. them. And they're like, well, somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll let black people back in. Right. So that's my mouth jaw on the table. So 32. 1932, black people can finally join the Navy again. And that's pretty much when she's writing. So that's exactly the day she's writing. This really? is passing. Really? So what that we're. That day, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. I guess it's January 4th. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, first of all, everyone always asks if she's racist. And we've established a million times that she lived in a very white, very segregated yeah. community. Mm-hmm. It's really sad to think about, you know. So very segregated. So she probably probably just was not on her radar at all. N- no, 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 no. But she talked so kindly about people. And mm-hmm. I will say no. Spo- well, not no spoiler. Who cares if it's a spoiler? We will find out uh, what she thinks about the plight of black people in America mm-hmm. um, in about 1939. Mm-hmm. And it's very poignant and beautiful. <laughs> so I think that's really nice. Shows again mm-hmm. what a beautiful mm-hmm. soul yeah. Miss Elizabeth was. So onwards and upwards. Interesting stuff. That's pretty cool. January 7th, 1933. Francis and I started putting our four-patch quilts together this morning. We didn't have any supper. Just ate cookies, peanuts, and popcorn. Oh, I wish I could have a date with Frank, or Herschel, or Raymond, or Tommy, or any of them. January 8th, 1933. Went to Sunday school in Uncle Clyde's truck this morning. Got stuck and had to push out. Then had to push up the hill. Got stuck coming home. Had a late dinner. Ate taffy and popcorn. Didn't have any supper. Wish we could move into a house real soon. In some town. So yeah, two days in a row, we're not eating supper. Peanuts, popcorn, and taffy. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because that's what she'd rather have, because we know as a Mm grown-up girl eats a lot of sugar and likes it. And even your mom talks about how there was always a dessert in that house after Uh, dinner. So she had a sweet tooth. Or is she doing it because there's just nothing to eat? And maybe she gives her sister's food before she gets the food. I mean, maybe. You know, something like that. I've had so many people on mm -hmm. our Facebook say they lived on a farm. Mm-hmm. They might have been poor, but there was always something to eat. Right. But um, this is January. Everything's yeah. frozen. Yeah, well, but surely there'd be preserves. And, oh, yeah, right. I'm sure like, there and, are. Yeah. And meat and right. rice and right. grain. And I mean, so I'm surprised if they'd be hungry. So maybe it's a choice. I don't know. I don't know. But I hate to think of her not eating some living, days, and still living in a tent. And some nights she goes without food, period. So that wouldn't be a choice necessarily. I don't think that would be a choice. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I, don't, I guess we'll find out mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. just 
continue to speculate. <clears throat> January 9th, 1933. Went to school. We were late because we had to go by way of the woods instead of by the road because it was so muddy. We were afraid of getting stuck. Buck told me today that he came to see me the night I was in Circe. Francis and I want to go to Judsonia for the weekend, but I don't know whether we will get to or not. Daddy's coming home tomorrow because Aunt Ella is well. This one got a lot of views on TikTok. That's the note that I have. Ten this million is one of, views. Yeah, Ten million. That's, I was just, yeah. What the heck? I think it's because she says the road was so muddy. A lot of the comments that came into TikTok about this video were, uh-huh. okay, so grandma was right. She did have to yeah. walk uphill through the mud and through the woods. Yeah. That was half the comments. So I think that there was something universal about that. Resonance. And we showed it, showed the forest itself. You did. You did. She you made it real pretty. The actual forest. Yeah. You know? But isn't it funny that it was better to go through the forest and on the road? Right? Yeah. Because you would think muddy. the road would at least be, you know, it was raining and mud. Higher. Mud and it's probably frozen too. So that's what we always think about mm. when it, oh, it's only four miles away. Right, it's not an easy drive it, right. at all. No, no. January tenth, nineteen thirty-three. Got an invitation to a surprise party for Buck Thursday night. It's his birthday. Um, I can't find Buck. Actually, I can uh-huh. find a lot of bucks, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're my buck. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to figure out who this guy is. So I'm hoping that we meet him a little later on. Uh-huh. But he came looking for her when she was yeah. in Cersei. I mean, he's in the running to be in her love triangle, love square, love octagon. Pen- yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pentagram. Penta- yeah, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. sweet little buck. But, but I, I wish... That usually- could be his nickname, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm, it's hard to that's find what I'm afraid sometimes. of. And usually when we meet someone new, we get a first and last name. Right. So maybe we've met him and I've missed him. So, you know, sometimes you listeners catch things that I don't. So maybe y'all mm. will be like, you just said, but help me find him. But yeah, I love all the help. Mm-hmm. January 12th, 1933. Reva and I got ready for the party. Buck wasn't surprised a bit, knew all about it. We played games but couldn't dance, went around the house with Buck, and had five-minute dates with Aura, Marshall, Jim, and Buck's brother. It's kind of a lot, so bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. It's kind of a lot, so bye. Yeah, that is a lot of dates. I wonder what you do on a five-minute date. Well, do you just sit together and ask each other questions and then ding, ding, ding? Maybe. Like speed dating today? Yeah, I think that's what it was, yeah. You don't go into a closet and make out no, like seven it's minutes not in like, heaven. <laughs> is that what that is? No. That, that's not what they called it when you were? It was you, truth or dare, age? I think, right? No, we played seven I minutes I never played that, but it sounds good. You know, this is a sad moment for me. I oh, never dear. played it either. Because mm-hmm. I never got picked. Because <laughs> well, it was a you pick a girl to yeah. go in the closet with well, you. Screw yeah, it's yeah. A, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, a, it's okay. Yeah, no, it I, wasn't I, you. There, I'm not emotionally stunted because of it or Good. anything. Good, you shouldn't be. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but we have another on this day. Mm-hmm. On this day, Calvin Coolidge had died. Okay. So at the time, he was the only living president. So, you know, we have several living presidents right now, even though we have Biden in office, I mean, Obama, Clinton, Bush. I mean, they're still alive. Mm -hmm. So to only have one Mm -hmm. living president, Mm -hmm. I guess that was a big deal when he died. But the one thing I remember, you know, during the pandemic, I read a biography 
of every American president. Right. I didn't finish. I got through FDR and right. now I'm too busy. But nonetheless, I did read one about Calvin Coolidge. Okay. And the one thing that sticks out to me was that he was a man of such few words hmm. that it was frustrating to people. Hmm. I mean, he would really would sit in meetings hmm. and just not talk mm-hmm. or say one or two things. And there's even my favorite story that a journalist came to interview him mm-hmm. and told the president, Coolidge, that there was a bet at the office that he couldn't get him to say three words. And Calvin Coolidge looked him in the eye and said, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Good so, answer, Calvin. So, so true to his <laughs> yeah. words or lack yeah. thereof, I want to read you his you will. Okay. So you'd think, oh, I'll be here a minute. Um, no. This is his will. Quickie. Not unmindful of my son, John, I give my estate, both real and personal, to my wife, Grace Goodhue Coolidge, in fee and simple. Not unmindful of my son. It's like, get out of the way, son. (laughs) Or, yeah, I know you're there. Sit down. I say no. (gasps) Calvin. So here we go. January 13th, 1933. Daddy's applying for a job in Memphis. Now, this is one of those entries that I I don't know if we even put it on TikTok. Maybe Mm -hmm. we did. Daddy's off all the time applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know, he goes to Memphis a lot. And you and I had already talked about the Memphis hub and why it was a big deal. But I'm Googling, you know, just Googling around like I like to do. And I found a book called Memphis and the Great Depression by Roger Biles. No, I did not read the book. But I did pull out a couple of excerpts that I thought were interesting. Okay. Okay, this is so interesting. So in the very front of the book, there's an excerpt from another book called Cotton Fields and Skyscrapers, an Interpretation of Southern Urban History. And what this guy speculates is that the New South didn't come from Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. It actually came from the turn of the century, the 1900s. And then there was the boom, and then there was the Great Depression. The Southern states needed help from the Great Depression the most. Mm-hmm. They were the agriculture. They were the farms. So his theory was that the federal government paid for the capital facilities in southern cities that northern cities had had to pay for themselves in earlier decades. And the almost free modernization received by southern cities would prove to be an important economic advantage hmm. in subsequent decades. Hmm. Interesting. So it's interesting to think about that here in the state where we live, mm-hmm. there are a lot of we don't. We complain a lot about <laughs> things we get from the federal government. Big government? Yeah, things like that. Right. But if it weren't for the big government saving Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be in the advantage spot we were today because South Carolina attracts so many big businesses. Mm-hmm. We've got BMW, Volvo, Boeing. We've got a lot of big tech here. But it's on the back Mm-hmm. Of the federal government right. who helped pull us Ultimately. out of ultimate poverty for decades and decades. Uh-huh. Elect- think about electricity alone. You talked about it in one podcast. They electrified the South. The federal government did That's it right. to create jobs and to create Infrastructure. an environment yeah. that was livable and successful That's right. for Southern people. Yes. The federal government got us out of the Great Depression. And the set us up mm-hmm. for future success. Correct. And during the Second World War, the federal government continued to influence the region, consider, meaning the South, by bringing even more industrial and military bases mm-hmm. to its cities. Mm. 
So mm-hmm. we got another big boom, boom, boom. Right, right, right. I mean, they got to buy food and yeah. you know create a community well, and rent and right, shop. Everything. And Charleston was a big navy town Huge. for most of my life. And when mm-hmm. the navy pulled out, that was a real big real deal for big the deal. economy. Right. Thank God we had Joe Riley as our mayor at that time. Amen. Because he said, "Let's tourism will replace that money." Right. Yeah, one Boy, of the largest it. arts festivals here in Charleston. He started. Yes, so yes. bringing jobs, city. bringing people, bringing yeah. interest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I so mean, cool. I, I think it's just really interesting. Yeah. Memphis, even before the Great Depression, had been the cotton capital because of the hmm. Memphis-Charleston Railroad. Really? Yes. Huh. And it's actually one of the few cities that did relatively well during the 1930s. And that's what this author speculates oh. in this book. And what's really cool is that in 1933, you know, we talked last episode about how FDR did the photo exhibit thing. Yeah. He did the Writers Project, where they interviewed formerly yeah. enslaved people. And there were also theater projects. Absolutely. The theater here in Charleston, South Carolina was rebuilt in part of the FDR. WPA, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why we have this gorgeous, it looks like Ford's Mm. Theater inside of it. I mean, so much. Yeah. But even more interesting, in Memphis, in 1933, there's a revival of the show Gilbert and Sullivan in an outdoor amphitheater kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it generated a lot of attention in the city because the production was being staged by Ralph and Wasita Dunbar who were big vaudeville stars. Mm. And now here they are in Memphis partnering with the Junior Chamber of Commerce to put on this big show. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge success, but the summer season ended and the Dunbars really saw promise Mm -hmm. in that little... They called it the hollow in the park. Mm-hmm. And in 1935, Roosevelt initiated the WPA, and one of its accomplishments was to build bandstands all around the country, 27 in all. <laughs> cool. The, these Dunbars, these old vaudeville stars, yeah. spearheaded a lobbying campaign to have one built in Memphis. And on September 13th, 1936, Mayor Watkins Overton and an overcapacity crowd celebrated the dedication of the new concrete band shell, they called it, and stage. Hmm complete with benches seating over 4,000. And the band shell's motto was a pledge to the future of music in Memphis. Mm. And little did they know what they would initiate. Mm-hmm. It's still standing 86 years later. Neat. It's newly redubbed the Overton Park Shell. I just knew I was going to read the Citibank Park Shell. Right, right. <laughs> McDonald's. I yeah. don't know what Overton is. Maybe yeah. it's the same thing. And it is one of only a few surviving WPA band shells in the country. How interesting. And a lightning rod for musical talent all around the world. In Memphis? In Memphis. Hmm. So it's still there. So when we yeah. go, because we always say, like, where are we going to fly into? And I'm like, yeah, Memphis let's sounds Memphis. pretty good. Sounds good. Dad was there a lot. But you know, yeah. when Dad went today from Step Rock to Memphis, it's a two-hour drive. Okay. So how long do you think it took Dad? Oh, twice probably that? six. Yeah. yeah. And then With considering all the flat, all the flat tires. tires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I know. So that's a long there way to go. May have been a train, no? Somewhat? from well, Maybe from Searcy to Memphis? Maybe uh, there was a train. Of course there was a train. Yeah. Why aren't so, I thinking about trains? Yeah. Well, hey. Yeah, I forgot all about yeah, that. Yeah, he was a train worker. Um, For sure. You know, so he would, so know. He would know that. Then the train would be even longer because you stop, you stop, Probably. you stop, and then you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's a long way to go. That's a long for way. For a maybe. Yeah. And Memphis is right on the border. It's in Tennessee, oh, it? but it's right on the border with Arkansas. Mm. So it's pretty much in Arkansas. Uh, not. It's but not. Still but still, a two-hour modern yeah, car yeah. drive away. Right. So that, that's a lot for dead. Oh, yeah. I heard about this job. Let me go. Right. Makes right. me think if he's like. Drinking? No, just wanting to get away. Yeah. You know, from the unbelievable stress and inner failure he had to feel, whether it was justified or not, which I don't think it is. It's the Great Depression. Everybody Mm -hmm. was in his shoes. But yeah, we talk about him all the time. Poor Louis. Uh, It's awful. 
Oh, it breaks my heart. A family of seven, he had to support. Feed, feed and support. Feed. And his daughters are living in a tent. And you know oh, he can't God. feel much like a man. And back then, mm. that was so um, that macho. Mm. You know, today, everyone would be like, hey, whoever works, you know, we're making it. Mm-hmm. We're making it. Go. Mm-hmm. January 16th, 1933. Came home from school with Reba this afternoon. After supper, we read papers and ordered a dress from Sears. I hope I get to go to Judsonia and date someone. Herschel dated Ethel at Christmas. If he liked me, he could get a car once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. She's so funny. She's so dumb. I guess that's Ethel Bird. Yes, Eth- Ethel Bird, I think so. She's born in 1915, Uh so there's a couple of years, so the age works out. But we do know that Ethel does not marry Herschel. Because we met her at that 4th of July when we met the whole world. She married some guy named Howard. So Herschel will not marry Ethel. I could go ahead and... mm, Let that... But who will Herschel marry? Exactly. (laughs) January 17th, 1933. Went to school. Swan, Dorothy, and Aunt Bertie came out here with an Indian to put on a play, but no one showed up, so she didn't have it. Reva and I went to see the new sharecropper. It was late when we got back into the work. Aunt Ella nearly had a hissy. After supper, we looked at some sale catalogs. Interesting stuff. Well, I just want you know? to know what this play was. I know Did an Aunt Indian... Birdie write a play about Native American people and they wanted to come and teach them how to do dances? Well, th- this was a, it's called the, I want to say Wapataw tribe oh. that was in that very area. Oh. <gasps> Yeah, and there are some photographs of these. They're dressed up as mm-hmm. American Indians. And I think that this, what she says was an Indian to put on a play. This was an Indian going around saying, all right, here's what our... Oh, he or she he or was she. putting on the play. Correct. And Aunt Birdie was like, oh, well, let's do it down at school. That's this, right. This, I saw it last night. And it's so good. That's right. It was Aww. just like a little, you know, presentation. I can't find out who this Dorothy is. I don't know who Dorothy is either. She pops up so much, yeah. and she's not a bird. Oh, right. is she a heart soul? I don't... I'll have to keep looking. You know, sometimes I find these people late, and I put it on yeah. a bonus episode. So cool. I'm not going to give up on Dorothy. Reva and I went to see the new sharecropper. So, you know, Aunt Ella did live on a farm. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though she had to take in a border, maybe this is a new border. Right. And also a sharecropper. Which is different than a tenant farm. Big time, because they're, I don't know they're how this guy ever gets out of this. Slaves. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll find out who it is in a little bit. But yeah, and they also had some money to buy a dress. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. From, that is from cool. The Sales catalog. catalog. Yeah. So that's nice. So good for them. I'll find Dorothy. I'm going to, I'll never give up. January 22nd, 1933. Reva and I poked around with work this morning in the rain with the hired man, Leslie Pearson. Sewed on my quilt, it's raining like nobody's business. Woodrow's car burned. (laughs) By the way. I just like this little bullet point. Worked, quilting, (laughs) Woodrow's car burned. Like, in what context? I mean, did it just... Comes Burnt, spontaneously right. combust, or did the engine burn up? Right. I guess that means she's not going home to Step Rock anytime soon. Mm. Okay, so in the last entry, we mm-hmm. called him a sharecropper, and now she's calling him the hired man. So I guess that's oh. kind of the same thing. Um, in her eyes, probably. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, because the sharecropper isn't contributing. He's he get yeah. The sharecropper and gets sharecroppers nothing. Sharecroppers usually have to except buy the seeds they plant. Yeah. So even maybe that. he is just a hired man, and she called him a sharecropper. Yeah, could be. But anyway, Leslie Pearson mm-hmm. was born. in in 
November of 1903, hmm. and he married a woman named Naomi. And in the 1940s, he's working for the Missouri Pacific Railroad Company. And by 1947, he's a factory worker in South Bend, Indiana. And there are no other census records uh-huh. that I can find him on after that, even a 1950s one. Did he die? Um, he does die. Yes, eventually. <laughs> All these beat sadly. But he dies in 1973. And I couldn't find a death certificate, but I found his obituary, and you got to hear this. Mm-hmm. Funeral services for Leslie Pearson, who was found dead of natural causes in a vacant Chicago building on May 10th, will be held at 1 p.m. Thursday in the Layman Chapel. Whoa. Mr. Pearson was a retired Weird. Oliver Corp employee. He was born November 18th, 1904 in Jackson, Tennessee, and had lived here 28 years coming from Wynn, Arkansas. On March 18th, he married Naomi Hill, who survives. Also surviving are two daughters and some grandchildren and even a great-grandchild. How weird. Found dead, Found dead in, in a, a vacant field. building. In a, 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 a building, yes. Do you wow. think like, he just got drunk and passed Could out? Could be. Died. Maybe he was but it without says a home. Natural, it didn't say natural Yeah, it, it did. How did he die? I guess he, maybe he froze to it, death. That's natural. That is natural. I don't understand when they say <clears throat> natural causes... Everything is ba- if you cancer is a natural cause. Yeah, but not a gun yeah. to the head. So, but usually you know. they'll say like died of like heart failure. Well, yeah. that's natural. Yeah, they probably didn't do a whole maybe lot of work just, on him. Maybe he just, or maybe they didn't want to say mm-hmm. like choked on his own vomit or whatever. Well, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that would be but, bad in an obituary. Um, but yeah, I think that's so sad. Sometimes they get the date wrong. In obituaries, because oh, sure. you said he was born in 1903, 19, but they say but 1904. They say 1904 so I could also, we'll knit that yeah. in the bud right here. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's wrong. Give or take. A give year. or take. Yeah, back but then. But yeah, that was so sad that he's not with his family. Somehow he's in Chicago, <laughs> and they had to find him. Like, how long had he been there? Mm. How long had he been missing? And to think this is the sharecropper that Elizabeth was writing about in 1930. Yeah. That's cr- what a weird, you and know, he outlives her. Yeah. I, that always makes me sad. I mean, a lot of people outlive her in this diary, but that makes me sad. Oh, gosh. Wah, Mr. Wah. Pearson. Yeah, Mr. Pearson. R.I.P. R.I.P. There you go. <laughs> January 28th, 1933. Dean, Helen, Francis, and I went over to Prudy's this morning to see her baby. He's so sweet. This afternoon, Bessie, her sister and brother, came over here, and we went back with them. Girlie, Ethel, Francis, and I danced. Ira Solar was there. We met him and danced. Leon, Francis, and I went to a dance at Prudy and John's tonight. Tommy came over there. He brought me home, sat on the store porch. January 1933. I haven't anything very perspective to say about this month. Only I hope I'll be somewhere different in less than a whole year. So yeah, January was just a month of like when and mm-hmm. how and why can't I and what will happen mm-hmm. and it's so sad. But there was some dancing thrown in. Hey, she looks like she's having a good time. And now mm-hmm. Tommy's back. Tommy's back and on the store porch. Yeah, we've been hanging out with Herschel and now Tommy mm-hmm. and his beautiful face is back in our <laughs> lives. Uh, one good thing that she has to look forward to on January 30th of 1933, mm-hmm. the radio show The Lone Ranger started. Oh, cool. So hi-ho, Silver. Away. And she will occasionally listen. 
listen to the radio. Any chance she gets. Right. As soon as she gets a hold of one, that's all she's going to do. Really? And I think even it comes up before they get out of the tent, she gets to go listen to someone's radio. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe she's listening to The Lone yeah. Ranger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which would have been so much cool. fun. I know. I Yay. love old radio plays and too. radio shows. They're so cool. February 5th, 1933. Went to Sunday school this morning, but it broke up early because of a fire. Francis and I went with Ruby Yingling, got the Dodge, and went to Circe. Didn't see anyone we knew. Went back to Judsonia and got with some girls. Danced at Mildred's. Went to youth group and then to a filling station with Helen and Rosalie. Helen went off. We walked home with Rosalie. Herschel met us and talked a long time. Back to Herschel. Back to Herschel. Herschel Tommy, Herschel Tommy. Here we go. February 6th, 1933. Francis and I went to school with Mr. Woodfin this morning. After school, we and Reva came home with Woodrow and Archie, ate supper at Aunt Edda's, came back to the kitchen, and wrote a theme, The Mosquito and Other Insect Life in Relation to Health, Sanitation, and Industry. Wrote a letter to Lil. Wish we could hurry up and move. Okay, what? so yeah, this is a, there's a lot going on in this, but yeah. let's start with Mr. Take Woodfin. It. Yes, Mr. Woodfin is actually James Locke Woodfin. He was born in July of 1908. His dad dies of pneumonia in 1922 at the age of 39. Yeesh. So in the 1930 census, he, Mr. Woodfin, and mm-hmm. his mom and siblings are living with his mom's brother. And at that date, of course, he's not listed as any having any kind of job. But when he registers for the draft, he's married to a Neva Bennett, and he's working for the McRae Special School District. (laughs) I want you to keep McRae schools in your little heart. Because we are going to come circle back around to that name. Okay. Um, He's going to divorce Neva Bennett on November 11th of 1945. And on November 17th of 1945, (laughs) he marries Olga Yvonne Clark. Mr. Woodfin, we'll call him Woody. He didn't even wait a week. Well, we have a picture of Olga, and she's oh, gorgeous. Is she? Yeah, poor Neva broke, or maybe Neva was like, "Get out of here!" Yeah, and then he's like, "I take Olga." Right. Anyway, in uh, nineteen, yes, I'm sure she was fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In 1950, John Woodfin is a vocational advisor at a college, and he dies in 1982. Hmm. Olga will continue to live until 2015, and she loves Jesus. Okay. I mean, a lot. It's mentioned in her obituary a lot. Okay. Girl loved Jesus. She sang in the choir, and she loved quilting and gardening. Sounds just like my mother. Mm -hmm. And she also was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan Mm -hmm. because she was the aunt of the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. No. In 19... In 2015. Really? So that's the a big deal. Dallas Cowboys owner? Yeah. I mean, so Dallas Mr. Woodfin, Cowboys. That's yeah, a big deal. Mary, wow. And I bet she had a lot of fun watching those games and seeing all that stuff. So, I mean, I guess good for Olga. Homewrecker. <laughs> <laughs> we don't We don't know. Never could have just been like, I, I am gay now and I want to be with you. All right. Go whatever away. floats your boat, <laughs> Reva. Yeah. Love who you need to love. But this reminds me. Okay. And shortly after Elizabeth gets married in 1938, she gets malaria. Oh. So when I read that she wrote a paper, I'm like, mm, did not pay attention to her own paper. Right. <laughs> but you can't help what mosquito happens to bite you that day. But I was, even when I read that, I'm like, you're still getting malaria? 
1938? And the answer to that is a big fat yes. Okay. 1882, a doctor named Zafni Orto, I guess it's a man, but that's a great name, conducted studies with mosquitoes at Walnut Ridge, which is in Lawrence County. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Arkansas. And these effects proved a connection between malaria and mosquitoes. So as early as 1882, they know it's happening. Okay. And this led to a further study of the disease mm-hmm. and inspired efforts to eliminate mosquitoes. So the campaign to eradicate mosquitoes was a joint effort sponsored by the Federal Public Health Service and the Rockefeller Center and was conducted in Crossett, Arkansas in 1916. And it kind of worked. There was a 72% mm-hmm. of decrease in mm-hmm. malaria over a one-year period. So this quickly became the model for other eradication mm-hmm. campaigns. In spite of these advances, instances of malaria were often unreported due to the lack of access to physicians in Arkansas and the use of so many over-the-counter medications that people thought mm-hmm. would treat the disease. And sadly, you know, that wasn't always mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. Throughout most of the 1920s and 30s, Arkansas reported the most malaria-related deaths of any really? state. Wow. And she, uh, the title of her paper was The Mosquito and Other Insect Life in Relation to Health, Sanitation, and Industry. Yeah. She's 10 years she's fi- old. She's 15. 15. Yeah. That's well, because ti- I guess it's what? important. She's yeah, 15. yeah, yeah. It goes on. So researchers continue to urge mosquito eradication programs in communities across the strait, including recommending that residents install screens in windows, porches, and doors and use mosquito mm. repellents and even smudge pots mm. to repel mosquitoes. Mm. Okay, so you're telling me. That people already had screens, and they weren't yeah. using them constantly. I mean, even birds can fly in a window. Right. I mean, a, what That's would you a, do? Screen, I mean, right. a squirrel could just come jumping in your house. <laughs> Why haven't you always had screens? So, yeah, I think, what about lizards? Anyway, if soon as screens were invented, I would have screened you know, the entire house. But by the mid-1940s, Arkansas doctors are still reporting more than 2,000 cases annually. The levels are rising for um, mosquitoes. After World War II, the federal government sponsored an aggressive mosquito eradication campaign across Arkansas and the whole South, spraying hundreds of thousands of homes between 1947 and 1953 with the pesticide DDT. Okay. By 1951, there's no malaria in Arkansas because everyone was dead. <laughs> because um, the population <laughs> went down by 75%. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. But, yeah, that's a- am right. I, am I kidding? No, of course I'm kidding. Yeah. Although mos- mosquitoes remained common in Arkansas, DDT spraying was discontinued in the 1960s as serious health risks 
of the pesticide became more and more widely understood. So I gave it a little goog. Following high exposure to DDT, like running behind the truck on my bicycle. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. was probably not happening in the 70s, but who's to say? Human symptoms can uh-huh. include vomiting, tremors, or shakiness and seizures. And laboratory animals showed effects on the liver and reproduction. DDT is considered a possible human carcinogen. Yeah. And then I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking, you know, it's harmful to people. It's, you know, I guess it's getting rid of the mosquitoes. It's harmful to all kinds of other insects and things. Where is a PhD biochemist with a mm-hmm. study of insects when you need one? Oh, I see what you did there. Hello, Liz. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? You are so kind to give me a few minutes of your expertise and knowledge. Well, maybe limited expertise and knowledge, <laughs> but I have some of it. <laughs> I think this is really cute. And on February 6th of 1933, she has to write what she calls a theme. And the title, Elizabeth does, and the title of the theme is The Mosquito and Other Insect Life in Relation to Health, Sanitation, and Industry very good theme. I think it's very advanced maybe for high school. (laughs) I think she was a junior. But what I didn't understand is that malaria was still a big deal in Arkansas in the 1930s. I didn't realize that either, actually. I I thought of uh, yellow fever, of course. What's Um, the difference between yellow fever and malaria? I thought they were the same thing. No. Mosquitoes carry two general types of diseases commonly, Mm -hmm. um, viral and parasitic. Oh. And malaria is a parasite. Well, a lot of the fevers you've been hearing about are are viral, and and that's what uh, yellow fever is all about, and what uh, Rift Valley fevers that you know we've been getting some of those recently. Uh, you mean the dengue. ones that are in Texas and Florida? Yeah, there's the arboviruses. Malaria is is a parasite. A lot of these are tropical diseases, and I'm, that's what what mosquitoes commonly carry is tropical diseases. Oh. You know, one one here in Florida that's recently been talked about a lot is dengue, which is called breakbone fever, mm-hmm. and that's a viral disease also, and it's carried by the mosquito I worked with as a PhD and and other species in that genus. I, I worked on Aedes aegypti. And, okay. And I didn't have anything to do with with disease. Mm-hmm. I was looking at its endocrinology. I see. And its reproduction. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, No, I think it's so interesting because they'll start having to, that's when they start spraying the DDT law. Yeah, DDT is a real mixed blessing. You know, it was sprayed wholeheartedly everywhere. In in Africa, for example, a Mm -hmm. great deal, and and certainly in the U.S., especially the southern U.S., a lot. Yeah. And so it was basically non-toxic to humans except for the fact that it, its chemical composition makes it very stable. Mm. It doesn't break down, and so it lasts. And another aspect of it is that its structure looked similar to estrogens. Huh. And so th- its hormonal resemblance to estrogens apparently leads to it binding to sites that estrogens would bind to and competing with estrogens. <gasps> and that's In what humans? And in, in all animals that use estrogens. Oh, no. And humans and birds, for example. And birds, birds use estrogens to produce their eggs. Yes. And, and what happened, they found eventually, this became really clear in the 60s, in the late 60s and early 70s when I was a student, 
And I learned that eagles had been decimated by DDT and the use of DDT. Mm. And that became that, that discovery, which became very clear scientifically when they could look at, at molecular binding to different sites. And they found that it especially bound to the ovipositional sites that are in birds so that the eggshells could not develop oh, as a no. result. They needed... They needed more estrogen, and so the eggshells became very thin, and a lot of the chicks died as a result. So mm -hmm. um, once that was realized, estrogen was banned. The EPA came into force, and I think it was 73 or so. Oh, really? And they declared DDT off the books. You couldn't use it any longer. So and if we still have mosquitoes, why don't we still have malaria? Well, we we probably have some. I mean, we certainly have some in terms of uh, in terms of migration. When people leave the country and go visit tropical areas, mm -hmm. sometimes they come back with malaria. And if a mosquito happens to be in the room and mm. picks up the malaria from those people, and and they have to be certain species of mosquitoes. They are not Aedes species. Oh. They are Anopheles. And Anopheles species are, are not that common in, in all parts. Uh, I guess they're around, but they're, they're not very common. I see. Um, yeah, they have been a problem from time to time, I guess, in the southern states. So what you're telling me is that do you, you think Bill Gates has genetically engineered mosquitoes to attack all of us? <laughs> no <laughs> no by no means uh, no bill gates has been working to ameliorate some problems in africa and and um, i'm not sure what what his foundation's up to but they fund efforts to prevent just like jimmy carter's foundation also mm -hmm. they they work on different diseases in africa and attempt to uh, reduce the incidence of those diseases. So, and malaria is a big one. I mean, it, it's one of the leading causes of death in tropical countries. It's a, a very bad problem. You have to take so, all those pills know, before you go that give you bad dreams and make you feel sick. Quinine drugs, especially quinines, were very good at, or somewhat good anyway, at preventing malaria. So you had to take quinine regularly. Oh, sure. And like your gin and tonic. Like sweats, I think, <laughs> right, right. That became a good thing. It's gin and tonic because you're getting your quinine. Work. Yes, yes. Well, I'll, be, I'll do my part if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Jeff, yes. I appreciate you telling us a little bit about mosquitoes. I think yes. it's really cool that Elizabeth writes this insect paper and she wins a medal for it. So hers was the best in the whole class. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, so maybe some That's of this true. love of learning about insects was passed down to you. That's through true. the Hartzell genes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe so. Well, have a wonderful day in the Florida, and you'll be featured on episode 12. So in a couple of weeks, you'll hear your, oh your nice little voice on the radio machine again. <laughs> and if you think of anything <laughs> if you think of anything in the meantime you got my number okay liz thank thanks you. jeff thank ha you. great have a great day okay yay bye bye, -bye. 
And that was Francis's son, Jeff Shapiro. You, son. If you are on our Patreon at the $10 level, you have met Mr. Shapiro because yep. he did a wonderful interview with me talking about his mom, Francis, and what she was like after the diaries and what became of her life. Mm-hmm. And Jeff is wonderful. And he's always so bug wonderful guy. to talk to. And, and a bug guy. And it's so funny because I interviewed him weeks ago, never yeah. knowing I would need a PhD <laughs> right. biochemist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well. So Mark, your family's coming in super handy. <laughs> I mean, all the in every way possible. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> February eighth, nineteen thirty-three. Didn't go to school today because Woodrow and Archie didn't come by. It was absolutely the coldest day we have ever had. Two degrees when we got up. But went up to twenty-two. It's going back down now. I hope I can go to school tomorrow. Okay, so if she's waiting for Woodrow and Archie, Mm -hmm. she's in Step Rock. So she's in a tent. Oh, okay. When it's two flipping degrees outside. I didn't think about that. Yeah, she's in the tent. Well, we weren't sure when we thought about this a couple days ago where she was. Yeah, she was in the tent. Sure, She's that makes sense because Woodrow and Archie took her to school. Yeah, to she Aunt wouldn't Ella's be too. waiting for them at Riva's, or right. she would say Riva and I didn't. Yeah, go to school. you're right. Two so, degrees in a tent. No, no, no. Yeah. They, surely they let her sleep on a floor in the house. There had to be some yeah. other. What could be? Probably wasn't much better. They, she says before there's no stove because there's no hole. I mean, how mm. did they stay warm in there? Surely they were. I wish she had just said, "Thank God I got to sleep on the floor right. in Ellis." Oh. And here's a fun fact, because, you know, I just like on this day, mm-hmm. you know, and this has nothing to do with Elizabeth, but it, it, I just mm-hmm. thought it was fun. On, on February 7th of 1933, mm-hmm. officers on the USS Ramapo measured a 112 foot high sea wave in the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. a record that has not been topped. Dot, 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 that we know of, dot, 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 because the ocean is huge. Um, For perspective, a baseball diamond length is 90 feet. And how long was this? 112. Can you, first of all, how did they survive? How did they see that wave and go, uh oh, that's like every disaster movie that I've ever seen where the big wave is coming and Tay Leone's getting in the helicopter and everybody's crying? Yeah. Yeah, that's freaking me out. (laughs) But that was just a fun fact. I didn't know how to work it in, so I figured well, that, you did. I, I won't. <laughs> but you I'll did. just say it. February 10th, 1933. Went to school. Felt bad all day. Had the sore throat and was sick. It started snowing in the middle of the afternoon and has snowed ever since. After supper, I made some fudge, played the Victrola, and Reva and I looked at some records we wish we could buy. Wish we could hurry up and get settled. Um, yeah, she's sick. It was two degrees in a tent. Right. Of course, she's got sore throat. Good Lord. Good Lord. That poor girl. It's, Does I it mean, get too cold to snow? Sometimes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, may, I wondered yeah. about that. But I guess if it went all the way up to 22. No, two, two it can snow at two oh, degrees. Yeah. Well, yeah. So poor little thing. Mm-hmm. But speaking of singing, which they didn't, but they did talk about buying some records. On this day in 1933, the New York City-based Postal Telegraph Company introduced the first singing telegram. Oh. Isn't that cute? Yeah. I just love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've always wanted to be a singing telegram girl. You should be. You'd I, be good be at it. It would be fun, but I can't really sing. I mean, I can yeah, sing, well, but I can't that. like belt. Or, right. Anyway, that's pipe dream. Hmm. February 15th, 1933. Went to school today. Reva and I went after the papers at Uncle Tate's. Read five chapters of Matthew to Grandpa tonight. Then Reva and I popped corn. We ate it and discussed the girls of Plainview High, faults, and good looks. Wish I could get some mail. Mail. 
So I said male male because one is spelled like male you mm-hmm. get in a letter and one is spelled like a handsome man with broad shoulders and right. mushy, sweet little lips. So to either one on. will work. So she, yeah, she wants a male male. But oh my God, the girls mm-hmm. of Plainfield High Faults and Good Looks. I've never in heard quotes. her talk like this. I know, right? Yes. It's I mean, like they the were like a little like a, like one of those books where you're like, all right, mm-hmm. let's talk That's about right. Maxine. That's right. She's yeah. real pretty, but she's mean. Yeah, yeah. Isn't and that the faults so and high good school? Looks. I don't know who Uncle Tate is. Yeah, I never heard of him. I'm either. And I, he's not a heart soul, <laughs> no, so he must be like he, he must be like one of those uncles, like you're to my kids, right, your uncle just Mark. Uncle Mark, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Be uncle Tate, like that. yeah, yeah. But here is my favorite part of this whole podcast. Mm-hmm. I got down this rabbit hole yesterday, okay, and that's when I was so excited about the episode is done. Let's record it. Yeah, on this day in Miami, Florida, Giuseppe Zangara attempted to assassinate President-elect Franklin Delano Roosevelt, hmm. but instead fatally wounded Chicago Mayor Anton Cermak and wounded other people. Shortly after 11 p.m., Roosevelt had completed a speech at Bayfront Park and was being driven to his train in an open convertible. Zangara pushed his way through the crowd, stood on a folding chair to get a better view, and was within 25 feet of Roosevelt mm-hmm. when he began firing with the 32 caliber revolver. The chair was wobbly, and one bystander, Mrs. Lillian Cross, reportedly grabbed his arm, and he was wrestled to the ground. Wounded, in addition to Mayor Carmack, were two women and a man, and Mr. Roosevelt's bodyguard. Sir Mack, the mayor of Chicago, who would die on March 6, was reported to have said to Roosevelt, I'm glad it was me instead of you. Wow. Oh, my God. But deep down, he's thinking, why did it have to be me? (laughs) Zangara pleaded guilty to the murder. He confessed in the Dade County Courthouse Jail, stating, I have the gun in my hand. I kill kings and presidents and next all capitalists. Wow. He pleaded guilty to four counts of attempted murder and sentenced to 80 years in prison. And as he was led out of the courtroom, he said, four times 20 is 80. Judge, don't be stingy. Give me 100 years. Oh, my God. He would be put to death Mm -hmm. just over a month later. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. I mean, they just didn't. They didn't waste any time. Right. Anyway, well, I'll talk about that when I get there. Well, thank but you, if Lillian, you didn't for think, pushing it. I would immediately and go look for Miss Lillian Cross. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't know me well at all. <laughs> Born a Lillian Elizabeth Johns on the twenty third of May in eighteen eighty four in Atlanta in Fulton County. And we all mm. know where that is now because of the election. <laughs> she married Dr. William Cross in 1905, and they never had any children. And Dr. Cross died in 1941. He was very active in fraternal organizations, and she was a housewife. So I imagine, like your grandmother, like Elizabeth, mm-hmm. she was probably also very active mm-hmm. in women's clubs and societies mm-hmm. around town. She was so excited mm-hmm. to go see Roosevelt speak. And here is an article from that day that was in the newspaper. The Nation's Heroine. One Florida woman who attended the Roosevelt inauguration attracted unusual attention. She was Mrs. Lillian Cross of Miami, who saved the life of the man she saw assume the office of the greatest government on earth. (laughs) When asked if she would attend, she replied that she would not miss it for anything. Mrs. Cross was at the side of the would-be assassin, and as he fired, woman-like, she threw up her arm, thus diverting the bullet. She was at once declared a national heroine, and Congress passed a resolution of commendation for her act. Mrs. Cross is the wife of a Miami doctor. She's a little woman, 
weighs only 100 pounds and is 48 years old. Yes, just an ordinary woman who, like millions of other ordinary women, rose to the occasion when it came to her. No, not a bathing beauty. Not a movie queen, not a, <laughs> not a Reno divorcee, not one of that famous list of the, quote, greatest women, not in who's who, just an ordinary woman. <laughs> Greetings, little woman. Provence was not asleep. The world salutes you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could they have called her ordinary and yes, not beautiful seriously. one more time? Wow. I hate that so much. What She's an a article. little woman. She's a little woman Jesus at 102 Lord. pounds. Of course, I have a picture of Miss Lillian. Yeah, it will be she? on the Patreon. She okay. was a petite. I mean, yes. you can't tell because she's sitting down. You know, she kind of looks like Eileen Brennan. Okay. So, a yeah. handsome woman. Yeah. You know, okay. but Miss Cross was invited to the inauguration <laughs> two weeks later. Mm. She got to sit in the place of honor. She was also invited to a White House tea. Mm. President Roosevelt wrote in a personal letter to Mrs. Cross, It is hard for me to find words to convey to you my appreciation for your heroism. How much greater and sadder a tragedy Mm -hmm. was averted by your unselfish courage and quick thinking. Of course, no one can estimate. She died in November of 1962 Mm. and was buried the exact same day as Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, oh my god. Wow. Isn't it funny? Huh. Okay, and then I know I'm focusing on her so much, but I wanted to read this last part. It's her obituary, and of mm-hmm. course it brings up mm-hmm. that she was at that political rally. This is what's cute. It was a political rally in Miami's Bayfront Park, February 15th, 1933, that vaulted Mrs. Cross into prominence. She stood on a bench to get a better view of President-elect Roosevelt. A nervous, dark-faced man stood beside her. He raised a pistol until it was at level with her cheek. He was pointing right at the president, no one else, she recalled later. He fired the first shot. I said, don't do that. And grabbed his arm and pushed it up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lillian. I love it. Don't do that. Don't do that. What are you doing, you idiot? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so i i want I like no a t-shirt with he... a picture of lillian cross right. on it i think she was fantastic and uh, she was considered a national hero right well mm. i had no idea somebody tried to assassinate roosevelt i didn't either none right of course they didn't i don't even know i mean i watched that documentary surely they mentioned it but they didn't mention sweet little lillian lillian cross thank you for saving the world lillian so you'll find her on our patreon and everybody we should all go find out she's buried in miami Mm -hmm. one of our listeners has to live there i think we should go put roses on her grave Mm -hmm. what a lovely woman no children Mm. to honor her legacy Mm -hmm. so that's always sad february 16th 1933 Reva and I played the piano today and carried in wood. After supper, we went down to Clearwater to go singing. We're going to be bridesmaids in a play. The freshmen and sophomores were having a wiener roast tonight. Was invited, but couldn't go. That Aunt Ella just won't let them do a damn thing. Yeah. She has a hissy fit when they're late. Mm-hmm. And she's very overprotective mm-hmm. of Reva. Mm-hmm. Seems like it. Yeah, I know. But it, it, compared to Louie and Bess, mm-hmm. who are like, midnight show? Yeah, ah, right. see you tomorrow. Exactly. I know, it's so funny. February 17th, 1933. Came home with Archie and Woodrow today. After supper, I played checkers with Dean and Leon. Today is Leon's 21st birthday. All right, Leon, we found a lot more out about him recently. Yes, and I realized when I was writing this, the 
regular listeners don't know anything about Leon, right. um, but the Patreoners know a lot. Gotcha. So let's fill him in a little bit yeah. because Leon, Elizabeth's y'all brother. might be thinking he's 21. Why, yeah. why ain't he working? Well, unfortunately, when Leon was born, he was deprived of oxygen for several minutes and had uh, brain damage because mm-hmm. of it. So he was... Um, uh, he's described as just being sweet yeah. and quiet. Sweet and quiet. And he liked to play cards. So yep. he played a lot of solitaire. And he would, like, obviously love playing checkers. And he liked to take a lot of walks. Hmm. And uh, the sister, Dean, will end up living across the street from Leon mm-hmm. when he's an older man. Mm-hmm. And so her kids played with Leon mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And we talked to her children on the Patreon. We talked to Phil mm-hmm. and Pam. Yeah. And Pam said that she was walking out with him one day and saw a bunch of kids trying mm-hmm. to make fun of him because mm-hmm. you know, he's special needs. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's my uncle. Mm-hmm. Don't you talk to him like mm-hmm. that? <laughs> um, so poor sweet little Leon. Yeah. But yeah, apparently he never worked a day in his life. But he worked out in the fields, he I'm did. sure, to some degree. We'll yeah, right? see it in the diary. Yeah. He has to work, too. So right. I guess he did some stuff, but, I mean, he couldn't right. hold down a job. But he could take care of himself. He only lives a year after his mother dies. Yeah. And he's in a home. That was probably confusing. After, yeah, right. You're not really quite understanding, maybe. Yeah. Loss. But bless his little sweetheart. Well, 21st happy birthday, birthday Leon. Mm-hmm. February 22nd, 1933. We had a program at school today, and I was supposed to tell about the history of the flag. I got up, and I couldn't tell it. I certainly did feel embarrassed at school today. Poor little thing. Yeah, and she's usually so, you know, outgoing, but she got nervous standing up at school. In she does, I mean, she does theater. House. Maybe it had to be memorized, yeah. and maybe mm-hmm. she just drew a blank. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in my tours, mm-hmm. I'd give the exact same tour every day for 10 yeah. years. Right. And if, if something distracts me, I'll be like, um, yeah, blank. wait, what? I just go blank. <clears throat> yeah. February 23rd, 1933. This was the last day of free school. Reva and I came home. We dipped water out of the cellar. Was looking for schools in Arc. Oh, that's me. See that? Oh, <laughs> this is my note. Okay, so I was looking for schools in Arkansas and yeah. stuff, and I found this, which we kind of have already heard this name, Thomas McRae mm-hmm. of the McRae Special School, mm-hmm. the Mister Winford. Was that mm-hmm. his name? Uh, in Monticello? No, 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 no. In this episode. Remember oh. the teacher, James Locke Woodfin? Oh, yes. That's right. He teaches gotcha. at a McRae Special School. I gotcha. Right. So get this. Thomas McRae was elected governor of Arkansas in 1920 with the campaign slogan, Good Roads and Good Schools. Just a note. Mm-hmm. My air conditioning has kicked on. Okay. I ain't getting up and making it hotter no. in this room. It's 115 flipping degrees here in South Carolina. Yeah. So if y'all hear the hum of an air conditioner, who Deal. cares? <laughs> Get over it. Okay. So the campaign slogan, good roads and good schools, Mm -hmm. sounds nice. The public school terms averaged only 131 days a year when he Mm. was elected. 25% of the state school children attended school less than 100 days a year. Mm -hmm. There were 123 one-room schoolhouses, which was normal Mm. um, in the whole state. High schools were virtually non-existent in rural areas. Someone had made a comment on our Instagram not too long ago, I think when we did this post, because, you know. We're a little behind. That it was a luxury to go to high school in those days. And then I thought, well, Elizabeth, but then she just got lucky that there was one. 
Right. The odds are they just went to eighth grade. They just ended at eighth grade usually, right? Yeah, because exactly. most of those kids, they weren't going to go to college. Why do yeah. they need high school? They right. need to get on the farm. They're true. 14 years old. True, get to true. work, kid. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. The average expenditure per student from all sources in 1920 was like $64 in Oklahoma, hmm. 59 in Missouri, but in Arkansas, it was only $23. Really? It's still $23 today. No. No, of course I'm kidding. Okay, I'm kidding. well. <laughs> Am I? No. Uh, yeah, okay. So, of that $23 that the kids were getting in Arkansas, mm-hmm. the state government was only supplying $2 of that per child. <laughs> and that was considerably less for black students. <laughs> so the governor, in his address, bemoaned the hideous illiteracy he saw in Arkansas and called on the General Assembly to provide increased funding for the state's schools. Mm-hmm. By the end of his administration, McRae had almost doubled the amount of state educational funding per child to $5 and had provided Arkansas schools with their first major infusion of state funding. Hmm. Upon leaving office in 1985, one-fifth of the governor's farewell address was on the progress still to be made in education, and McRae is considered one of the most effective education governors in Arkansas's history. Really? Isn't that interesting? they name schools after him, of course. And that's where we... And that's where Elizabeth... Well, that's where uh, her teacher, Mr. Yeah. Woodfin, will eventually teach at a McRae special uh-huh. school. Special school. That's well, which means it was created mm-hmm. because of him. Right. Which is really cool. Now, of course, the Great Depression, because he leaves office in 1925, the Great Depression comes and screws everything up. And I found this interesting fact. By February of 1931, the Red Cross was feeding more than half a million Arkansans, almost one third of the population. Wow. And in some counties, almost every family was dependent on Red Cross rations. Really? By September of 1933, mm-hmm. 15% of all families in Arkansas were on federal relief rolls, mm. one of the highest percentages in the nation. Mm. So this kind of goes back to what people were saying. Well, she lived on a farm. There was plenty to eat. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't own the farm. Mm-hmm. She was a mm-hmm. worker. Mm-hmm. It's right. family. So she's lucky if she got anything. But think about these average people, maybe people who had lost farms, mm-hmm. who are now desperately seeking for laboring jobs. Of course, they're going hungry on a farm. It's not theirs. Right. I mean, I, right. I emphasize right. it like that because I just thought of that. Right. <laughs> and it's very true. It's not theirs. I hadn't thought about it until this second. But they yeah. did have a patch, a garden patch. Eventually. The they, yeah. Haven't, uh, yeah. they haven't. We're not there yet. yet. Okay. And then even when they plant, they plant weird stuff. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't remember I guess, what they plant. Well, also, I mean, it's okay, because it's not like a huge spoiler. They yeah. plant onions and cabbages. Oh. I get the cabbages. Cabbages are real good for you. Mm-hmm. I love cabbage. Mm-hmm. You know, I stir fry it. Oh, mm-hmm. And onions? I mean, I love mm-hmm. onions. But I guess I would have wanted to plant, like, tomatoes and broccoli. I mean, I guess. Maybe it was maybe like a co-op where some people, you traded your onions for some tomatoes. Oh, I, be, I wonder. Maybe. Who knows? God, I wish he'd given us some more details. Also, I don't know what subscription schools cost back then. I'm right. Sure. And I did read a lot about bartering and that the teachers would be paid in barter. That's a sucked deal for them. What if they yeah. just get 15 chickens? Yeah. I mean, of course, you got something to eat. Yeah. yeah but yeah. you can't get, like, paid. flour. February 27th, 1933. Subscription school started today. Reva and I are going with Woodrow and Archie and some other kids. Went all day today. Came to Step Rock home after school. Had a letter from Bill waiting for me. After supper, I answered it. It took Mother, Francis, Webster, Shakespeare, Mrs. Browning, and me to do it. 
Okay, girl. Um, first of all, whether Mother and Francis, I love how she's sharing her love story. I know, right? About Bill. I know. And then the more I, when I first read this, the like the very first time, mm-hmm. I thought she was mad, and she needed Mom and Francis and Webster oh. and Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. But these Shakespeare and Mrs. Browning, yeah. this is a love letter, right? 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 I mean, she and Bill are right. still hot and heavy. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I like to think, since I know something about the future, Mm -hmm. that they are super sweet on each other and Mm kind of always have Mm -hmm. been. Mm -hmm. So, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see what happens. February 29th, 1933. Well, no such day. I think I like Frank now. I'm crazy, I know. He treated me so mean. But I'm funny that way. I've met a whole lot of cute kids this month. And I've had a pretty swell time. If only I had a show enough fella, as always. So I paused for a second there mm-hmm. when I was reading that because next to when she wrote, um, he treated me so mean, but mm-hmm. I'm funny that way. Mm-hmm. She had it in quotes. Mm-hmm. She had an exclamation point, a question mark, mm-hmm. and a star. What does that mean, do you think? Well, now that I'm thinking mad? about it, was it a song? I didn't, oh. I didn't, until this second, I didn't think, because the last time she did something like yeah. that, it was a song lyric. Huh. She, if I find something. When he said he's sorry for dragging me down, keeps me from having the best things in town, I simply tell him. Yeah, it is since it's in quotes. But also, I don't like the fact that he treated her mean, but she'll still take him back. Yeah. I don't know. But again, Frank, since the 4th of July, and right. he's such a big nothing burger <laughs> in this diary, but his name comes up so much that I feel like I have to keep saying it. Uh-huh. But I mean... Hi, guys. It's Liz and Mark in the editing booth right now, coming in with a little update on episode 12. (laughs) Because the whole time we're talking about this Frank Stewart guy, and I, you know, I I just called him a nothing burger. And I'm like, you know, that's something had a hold on Elizabeth from Frank. We talked about him in episode eight at Mm -hmm. the 4th of July party. We do know that Frank dies young. He dies Mm. when he's 58 years old. And at the time, I didn't know how he died, but I have found out since. Oh, yeah? He had liver cancer mm-hmm. oh no Frank. and he worked for like an oil manufacturing company so okay. i hope it wasn't some hazard of being mm. around like crude oil or mm-hmm. something awful like that and he's the one who had that pretty wife who stayed a single woman until she was 80 <laughs> right she was a widow for 30 some odd years right. and then got married but also i'm like well let me dig a little deeper and mm-hmm. let me look at for frank and i think i know now why she Why liked him. Elizabeth liked hot? Frank so much. I never do this on the podcast. This is more a bonus episode thing. I want to get Mark's reaction <laughs> to this picture of Frank Stewart. Yeah. He yeah. is very he handsome. He sure is in his uniform. And look at his little build and think. It turns out yeah. he went to a military nice. college. Okay. So I don't that think this sense. is World War II. But y'all, this is going That's to be Frank, huh? on our Patreon at the $5 level. You get He's to, wearing a little hat. I know. You can pause this right now and go to our Patreon and look at that. It looks like he Frank has blue eyes of, and I'll brown they hair. Look very pretty. Oh, no. Eyes. He's very handsome. Yeah. So I would. Cool. I want to hear his line, too. I know. Yeah. He's the one with the line. So Frank, wherever you are, Oh, they said his nickname was Buddy. Okay. So, uh, Buddy, wherever you are, sorry I called you a nothing burger because, whew, you are. You're not. You're not nothing. Yeah. And that was a little update from Liz and Mark in the editing booth. (laughs) 
Well, there's, so there's Frank again. Just add him to the list. He'll he'll be on the T-shirt. He'll be on the T-shirt. Yeah, our <laughs> list of boyfriends. Yeah, I can't. Gosh, that'll be a. B- it'll be a night shirt. It'll be an extra large. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> March third, nineteen thirty three. Came back to Step Rock with Woodrow and Archie. I fooled around after supper. I went to play practice with Francis. Henley picked us up. There weren't many people there. I read several people's parts. We rode home. There's nothing else to say, except I wish we could hurry and get away from Step Rock. Mm. I mean, girls starting to get complaining. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, good. Right. Fine. Complain but away, I mean, girl. Yeah. Every, like, I wish we could hurry up and settle down. Wish we, I mean, mm-hmm. it's coming on. Mm-hmm. This. Uh, I wish I could remember the, I think it was May. Mm-hmm. When they moved, and then they got work in the very next day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's cold still. It's March. Mm. Yeah, but it will become clear later on. She's not in this play this time. She's oh. just watching play okay. practice. But if she's reading for several parts, yeah. they should just put that girl in the show. Seriously. But I guess everyone's working or doing their things, yeah. and I don't know. I guess this was a terrible show if they just life, had very few people yeah. show up. But I love that they're putting on plays. Yeah, life was hard, is, but she had a life. This is in Step Rock. Yeah, so right. They, she does mention there's a school in step rock yes, so maybe you know yeah but henley's back mm-hmm. so hello henley in our love pentagon march 4th 1933 francis and i washed a lot of things this morning after dinner i read and fooled around after supper i pieced a block on francis's hourglass quilt mother francis and i have been talking today i'm going to get mother away from this place if it's the last thing i do Hope it's not long. Whoa. Poor. So, I mean, you know, as as parents, you try to be like, no, everything's fine, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think they just see it in their mother. Mm-hmm. Dad's gone. Mm-hmm. He's in Memphis. She's doing all the work. She's cooking all the food. She's feeding the family. Elizabeth mm-hmm. has the luxury of leaving. and She could probably use Elizabeth's help. Mm-hmm. God knows she's doing more than just making food, and she's got to be working in the store. Taking care she of the She has kids. got to be exhausted. Yeah. And one thing I know about uh, your great-grandmother, Bess, mm-hmm. is that she was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, those pictures. Mm-hmm. And then later, when you see her, like that picture of her at Dean's wedding, yeah. and they're standing outside that church. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dean's wedding. Girl looks old. Yes, she does. I they mean, both her, do yeah. in that picture. Although he, I mean, men, I guess, you know, they age so well, better than women sometimes. He still looks really handsome and sophisticated. Yeah. She looks a little tired. Yeah. But yeah, so I'll get mother out of, if it's the mm. last thing I do. That's bold. That's like. She's had it. She's, you know, if it were modern day, she'd be selling pictures of her feet on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> get off this farm. <laughs> oh, dear. March 7th, 1933. When Reva and I came home from school, Aunt Ella was sick in bed. We helped do up the work after supper. Thomas and Sonny came down. We told ghost stories and played checkers. I got a letter from Bill today. Wish it was from Frank. Isn't Frank around there, though? Frank, I don't know I where Frank. Frank is kind of around there. He might I don't be, know where yeah. he is, or maybe he got to go Judsonia to college. Judsonia, or, yeah, you know, I it could mean, be... 10 miles away. They don't have phones, so it's just as easy to write a letter. You get it the same day or the next day. Interesting. But she gets a letter from Bill, and the one that she, this is the response to her Mrs. Browning, Webster, Shakespeare. Right. And she just wishes it was was Frank. (laughs) Come on, girl. But Aunt Ella is sick again, and apparently she gets sick a lot. Mm -hmm. 
She dies in 1954 okay. of cancer hmm. of the mouth. Oh. But it does say in her death certificate that that's the primary lo- location. Uh-huh. So I think she was just riddled with cancer. Right. And maybe here it is in 1930-something. Mm-hmm. She's already starting to oh, like, oh, right. I don't feel good. And, you know, not great Yikes. doctors, certainly not body scans right. to prevent whatever might yeah. be happening. So I, I wonder if that's a sign because she mm. just gets sick mm-hmm. too often. March 8th, 1933. Went to school all day. We had to ride in a truck because we thought Woodrow was never coming. We rode home with some people who were moving, went up the pasture, and drove down the hill with her first new little calf. Had an early supper. Frances sent me a letter from Lil today. She said Margaret had spent the weekend with them, and everyone thought she and Gussie were married. I don't know. It was the weirdest sentence. Which one? Her her first new little calf. Yeah. Whose first new little calf? Yeah. I think she was writing for herself and not the the hundreds of thousands of people who are listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I love how she's, you know... They're still hearing from Lil. Mm-hmm. This, I don't know who Margaret is, but everybody mm-hmm. thought she was going to marry mm-hmm. Gussie. What's interesting is that it's 1933. Gussie will get married in 1934. Oh. So he is ripe marrying age. Yeah. Young, but mm-hmm. I think that's how they did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. March 10th, 1933. Reva and I met Violet, Wanda, and Ruby at the corner this morning. Mr. Woodfin came along and took us to the store. He said, I won the medal at school for my mosquito theme. <laughs> so mosquito there you know, theme. but love of bugs runs in the family. It's really? She passed yeah. it down to her uh, grandchild. So. Okay. <laughs> I love that. He said, I won the medal at school for my mosquito theme. And I love that she got a medal. You know, yeah. my mom has a lot of her old school medals because she uh-huh. was very studious uh-huh. and she was the valedictorian. And oh. I have all of her little honor okay. society and sure. valedictorian pins. Oh, I've neat. always wanted to make them into a necklace. I think it's you so cool. You should. That I know. I know, it's a cool little thing Mm -hmm. to have. March 13th, 1933. Went to school this morning. Everyone was there but Mr. Boggs. We waited until noon for him, but he didn't come, so we went home. I went to Step Rock with Woodrow and Archie. Wrote to Bill and fooled around this afternoon. Went to play practice with Francis. Talked to Albert and Henley. March 14th, 1933. Went to school all day. Reva and I helped Thomas set out cabbage and onions in the gardens after school. After supper, I read to Grandpa and sewed a little on my hexagon quilt. Francis and I kind of have a crush on Boyce and Henley. I wonder if it will do any good. They are doing the play Sunny Days this Thursday. Okay, so she's not in the play. Uh-huh. They're doing the play Sunny Days. Yeah. And Sunny Days, I couldn't find a synopsis of it because mm-hmm. it's so old. But right. it's a 1928 musical farce in Ooh. three acts. Long. There's a lot of singing. And apparently it was adapted from a French play, which probably wasn't nearly as long and got right to the point, <laughs> called A Kiss in the Taxi. And that's all I know about it. Wow. But I looked at the okay. cast list, yeah. and the lead is a thief. Oh. And the second lead is a policeman, uh-huh. and there's a countess involved. So probably the thief Love and the it. countess meet, yeah. and he has to distract her by kissing her, and he gives her the jewel. Who okay. knows? But I could write it. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. But this is all happening in March, and on March 20th was the day that Giuseppe Zangara, who tried to kill President mm-hmm. FDR that we just met, was put to death. That year, that same so, year that he... Sh- a month and five days later. Man, they're they like, let's kidding. just do it. 
<laughs> uh, okay. Um, his last <laughs> words were, goodbye to the world. Go ahead. Push the button. <laughs> wow. I mean, this guy. Wow. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess if someone killed someone I loved, I would want to kill them. But at the same time, I'd also want them to suffer mm-hmm. and just live in jail mm-hmm. for all their life and mm-hmm. never see the sun again and stuff like that. It's, ten- it's nicer revenge for me. Some people say it costs more to keep them in jail than to than to kill them. True. And that's not true. It's not? Necessarily. It costs a lot of money for a murder trial. Well, now, and back for then, appeals and things. Exactly. And, it's, and a lot it of these a lot people of don't have fancy lawyers, so that's a exactly. drain on the state. It, it very much is. So you're right. Yeah. You're right. And then, you know, some inmate who just sold some weed could get cancer. Right. That's expensive. Yeah, so yeah. maybe we should kind of hmm, right. mm-hmm. take a look at <laughs> what we're doing here. I know, it's crazy. March 24th, 1933. Last day of school. I took an American history test, got an 88, got 100 on algebra, and 91 in English. Got four A's on my report card. Came home with Woodrow and Archie. It's good to be home. After supper, Mother and I pieced on my hexagon quilt. March 30th, 1933. School is out until July, and I'm home until then. I've had a lot of fun, thanks to Sunny Day's Farms. I like Henley a whole lot. After supper, Francis and I sat on the store porch. Some campers came up looking for information. So mm-hmm. we've kind of talked about that before. The people who didn't have the luxury of a family like mm-hmm. she did. Mm-hmm. I mean, we think she has it hard. We know she has it hard, but mm-hmm. at least she had a place to go. These campers are coming up like, do you have any work? Right. They're buying migrants. They are migrants. desperate. Yeah. Exactly. Going from farm to farm. Right. And here are Elizabeth and Francis having their little crushes. They've seen a play. They're having right. good things. Maybe this is looking at, they're probably looking at these people going, our ah. life is... De- and considering all the... These- and I don't want to say she's been complaining, because she can complain all the mm-hmm. heck she wants. Mm-hmm. But all the reminiscing and complaining and wishing and hoping, and mm-hmm. then at the very end, these poor people come up, mm-hmm. hey, brother, can you spare a dime right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a perfect place to end mm-hmm. episode... Well, I don't know what this is. 13? 12. Yes. It's episode 12. Yeah. God, episode 12. 12. So, oh my God, lots of things are going on. Wow, that was Not a lot. Not just in Arkansas, but with Elizabeth. And God, that, that was a good one. So, hey, yeah. y'all, we're, these podcasts are a little longer now. We're trying to catch Thank up you, to everybody. the social media. And don't forget, for, if you want bonus pictures and if you want to know what some of these people look like, go to our Patreon. We have lots of galleries. We have a gallery for every episode. And please join us over there. It's lots of fun and there's lots of cool things coming up. Also, don't forget to rate and review your podcast. You hear every podcaster say it. Why? would we be different please 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 and until next week until we see you next tuesday Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah bye see ya bye don't forget